Welcome listeners to season three, episode four of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week we're watching Sleepaway Camp from 1983. Those who listened to our pre-fear bonus episode for this know that we had, well at least I, had no idea what I was getting into. But luckily we have friend of the podcast Rose from Vancouver by Night to give us some insight into the trans perspective on that ending. Tell everybody about you, Rose. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so as Char said, my name is Rose. Uh, I identify as a trans woman. Uh, my pronouns are her, she, like the chocolate bar. <laughs> I like that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> I use it all the time. I am, a, as mentioned before, a member of the Vancouver by Night group as well. I play Vampire the Masquerade with both Kelly and Char, actually. Whoa. That's um, us. <laughs> <laughs> outside of uh, that, though, I'm, I am a Vancouver-based actor and voiceover artist. I also run, actually, a semi-weekly, semi-somewhat weekly, whenever I really want to, a podcast <laughs> called Trash Talking Tales. No relation to the character Trash Panda that I play in uh, in the vampire game. It is actually a podcast that demystifies myths, fact-checks fables, and sheds light on well-known stories. I've also been uh, getting very much into horror films and scary films lately, so... I'm really looking forward to talking about this one in particular because I got opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect. Let's get into Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> but first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So Ooh. we created this drink to be strong and sweet with a twist. <gasps> da -da -da. I'm, ex I'm excited because your pre-fear expectations for this movie were completely <laughs> wrong. I'm a bit sad that we, because we have pre-fear now, we can't really talk about that on the show because I always feel like it's a, 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 it's a really awesome You gotta go pay so for wrong. that content. Yeah, $10. Only Patreons. Patreon.com slash drink and scream for the pre-fear. Figure out how wrong I was. It was staggeringly. <laughs> oh, you came home with just a cornucopia of alcohol today and I am worried how much of it got into this drink not that much okay i was that makes me seem a bit like an alcoholic i was stocking up for you're the a, season you're a content creator <laughs> your canvas is this podcast and the the liquor is your paint mm -hmm. but i call this the angela i'm scared i like it mm-hmm mm. yeah oh what the fuck? What the hell is that? <laughs> you see? It makes you go, ooh, ah, hmm. How, what the fuck? How did you do that? That, like, that flavor seems fine for a It sneaks up on you. Yeah. Well, I think for you, because uh, those who pulling back the curtain on Kelly's life, they don't have a very good history with Fireball. Oh, God, that's what oh. it is. And there is a little bit of Fireball in this, but it's a creamy drink. Very strong. It's easy to sip. So be careful if you make this at home. But the Angela is um, I kind of wanted to go for like teens making something like pretending that they know what they're doing. So they just like buy a bunch of like sweet shit and then use their parents actual liquor in it too I, it's exactly what i want i am very happy with this uh, uh, this is scary <laughs> rose what are you drinking uh, i call it the sleepaway camp special it's a rum and coke nice that's mm -hmm. just the way into my heart it's a cuba libre and without a, a lime <laughs> <laughs> it's what i would have if i was going camping just rum and coke i'm cool with that <laughs> yeah good call that's what i would do too uh, yeah uh, apparently you wouldn't <laughs> 
<laughs> this is the teens or the tweens, I guess. This is what a bunch of dumb kids mix into a drink and think that it's good. Hey, do you not like it? It's awesome. I'll finish it. It's, it's like def- a dessert drink. Uh, it all says right. Here, it's a dessert wine. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Grease reference. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this episode will contain discussion on transphobia, sexual assault, and child death. So if any of those topics are things that you don't need to hear right now, feel free to skip this episode. We totally understand. So this week, we watched Sleepaway Camp from 1983. It premiered on November 18th of that year, and it's written and directed by Robert Hiltzik. It's, uh, can you do this part? I can't read it. I had an eye doctor appointment today and they put drops in my eyeballs and now my eyes are fucked up. All right. You ready for Kelly reading a synopsis and definitely not screwing up at every fucking word? Here we go. So it's starring Felissa Rose as darling shy camper, Angela, Jonathan Tiersten as Angela's protective cousin, and Karen Fields as awful campmate Judy. Our fucking name's Karen. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our listener Pizza Pants on Discord for this synopsis. If you want us to use your synopsis, join our Discord to submit at bit.ly slash hopped up Discord. Even Rose is on there, so you can chat with her. (gasps) Cousins, Angela and Ricky, are sent by Ricky's eccentric mother to Camp Arawak for summer vacation. Ricky is outgoing and popular, but he keeps getting into fights with the other boys. While Angela is reserved and rarely speaks as she'd suffered a traumatic loss of her family in a boating accident at the same camp years prior she is bullied relentlessly by the pretty girl judy and even a camp counselor meg for not participating her shy attitude and her budding relationship with ricky's friend paul things take a turn for the creepy when the camp's openly pedophilic chef is (laughs) mutilated by being pushed into a pot of boiling corn water the corrupt camp owner mel has the event covered up as an accident but as the summer goes on more and more of these accidents get harder and harder to cover up the victims all have an enmity with ricky or Angela, so Mel suspects Ricky is murdering them to protect Angela and to ruin his business. Angela and Paul's relationship is strained when they start kissing on the beach, and Angela suffers from a psychedelic flashback. The siblings catching their father passionately kissing his male business partner, and then the siblings about to touch each other in bed. Which of the siblings survived the fatal boat crash, and which of these children is the killer? Bum, bum, bum. Huzzah. Excellent work, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks. I didn't struggle at all. No, I edited (laughs) it all out. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to sum up the ending. What happened? Oh, yeah. So it turns out that the person that we assume is Angela is actually Peter, Angela's twin, who didn't die in the boat wreck, but then his aunt forces him to pretend to be Angela because she actually wanted a daughter. Oof. And the movie ends with Peter slash Angela mutilating Paul? Yes. And coddling his head, only to stand up and reveal to the entire camp that Angela is in fact a boy. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa! Scandalous for 1983. A very scary image, though. Like, the pose. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll but talk about pose. it. But that pose. Oh, yeah. Hit me with that trailer audio. Dear Mom and Dad... I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants.
wants to scare you to death. I mean, that was a 80s ass trailer. So 80s. A lot of it was awesome. (laughs) You're going to go to sleepaway camp and shit's going to happen. The uh, nobody's going to be able to see it. But at the end of the trailer, they show what I assume is like the Blu-ray remaster art. And it is so cool. I'll probably use it uh, on our Instagram when I release this episode. Okay. so if you haven't seen the poster and you don't want to Google it, check out our Instagram. It's like a really well composized composed uh, composed drawing of Angela's face and like a murderer behind her and stuff like that. It's really cool. I like that trailer. It gave like, well, it really fulfilled what I thought. Damn it. I can't even say that. Listen to the preview. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Kelly, tell me your thoughts. I mean, it gives you an impression that it's just going to be a summer slasher flick of everyone dying at the camp and it's a mystery of who it is. <laughs> I, I've seen the movie before. I've seen this trailer that you, um, you showed me and I just thought, huh, if I was going into this, not knowing what the hell I was getting into, I would say, didn't I see this with like Friday the 13th <laughs> yeah. or something like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm getting vibes from that considering it's the eighties and you know, <laughs> do you want my first thoughts about the movie overall? I do. So as you said, I was the one going into this movie that really knew about the twist, but I never actually knew how it played out. I actually read like the, the Wikipedia synopsis one day because I was just interested. So I didn't know the like acting styles or like the story actually playing out. And I found it funny how I don't know if they thought they were being subtle in the twist or like the hints leading up to the twist. But like in the first scene, when the dad dies and gets hit by the boat, you literally just see that it's the brother that survived. And I don't know if they were relying on like the audience getting confused when Angela shows up and be like, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was actually the the sister who survived. I feel like that's what I might have even said out loud. I was like, oh, no, she died. Oh, I guess not. I guess I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I thought she had died and that Ricky was the boy that lived. Oh, and then, and then it all got sorted out in the end. Yeah. Again, I really watched it in a case of just like, OK, there's a boy and a girl. Years later, there's a boy and a girl. They're cousins, though. Oh, yeah, (laughs) this is Ricky who (laughs) suffered a traumatic event, but seems honestly pretty chill (laughs) and his cousin who didn't suffer any traumatic event. And she's just catatonic. (laughs) He's just shy. Okay. yeah. (laughs) Forget all that stuff that happened at the beginning of the movie. That's got nothing to do with what's going on. I mean, and then you got that weird intro of like freaking Aunt Martha was just like, hi, everyone. Everything's just so wonderful. LSD. Yeah, it was so (laughs) odd. So odd. Such an odd performance. It's like David Fincher wrote her. Like that was some serious like Twin Peaks vibes going on there. Like, oh, oh, yeah, we mustn't let them know that we're being unhealthy. No, we mustn't let them know at all. That would be awful. Yeah, her little asides are weird. Yeah, (laughs) and she looks uh, a lot like her character design looks like. The woman, the ghost in Insidious that goes, don't you dare. Oh, yeah. Smacks one of the other children, which is I'm just connecting the dots. Stop me if I'm wrong here. But that ghost in that Insidious film is a boy that's being dressed up as a girl. You are correct. And I'm just this wasn't even one of my points, but I'm realizing that this is probably it was probably like a homage. Yeah. To Sleepaway Camp. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
But if yeah, not, then you totally ripped it off accidentally, Insidious. <laughs> Come on, Insidious, with your cavalcade of ghosts. Crap. Hey, don't don't pull a Kelly. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I think it's Insidious because Insidious gets pretty buck wild with its ghost design. Nice. Conjuring stays pretty like normal. Oh, man, somebody call me out. <laughs> but yeah, at the very beginning of that movie, when the dad and the twins are hanging out, and there's like just probably fifty minutes of cutting between reaction shots. I like yeah. was looking at Shar to be like, oh, fuck, did they give away the, the like the spoiler at the end of this movie already? But I guess they were right in assuming that people would just think that they were mistaken. Yeah. Considering I'm like, I'm everybody. So, I mean, everybody fell for it. It's yeah, all good. I fell true. for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone looked the same in the 80s. The guys had long hair. The girls had long hair. Everyone's wearing short shorts. You crop can't tops. tell. Yeah. Everyone wore oh my short God. shorts. It's not one of my points, but those crop tops on like the guys were so hot incredible i loved them yeah no same here oh yeah <laughs> there was that like yeah. one really chill camp counselor on the guys side that was like keeping everyone in check and always rocking the crop top <laughs> i would i would love to chill with that camp counselor he'd be my favorite he was so cool he was <laughs> all right my second point is honestly i was pretty confused about everybody's familial relationship going into the scene of like introducing Ricky and his mom. I was like confused about how like Angela fit into this and, and John the dad. So I looked it up and I'm going to clarify for anybody else like me who was in the dark. Yes. I appreciate this. So John Baker is Peter and OG Angela's father, the one that dies in the boating accident. He was dating Lenny, who was the guy on the beach that was the worst at being shocked um yeah really <laughs> martha, great legs though great legs yeah he was great yeah and again extremely short shorts <laughs> martha is the mother of ricky she's the one that is kind of unwell and she is john's sister so i originally thought that maybe lenny was martha's husband that's also what i thought yeah and i was like okay mm -hmm. so she's like gone off the rails because her husband and her brother are hooking up and now she's kind of like taking it out on her brother's son by forcing him to be her daughter. But no, Lenny had no connection with Martha. Martha just divorced her husband out of normal adult reasons and just wanted a daughter. Oof. Yeah. So she forces Peter to live as Angela as therefore like reminding Peter of probably the most traumatic event in their entire <laughs> life by having to basically live in the skin of their twin sister that's dead yeah, yeah that's awful really fucked up there martha what the hell <laughs> and and yet that made sense to for me that made sense to her performance that she was just that wacky that she was just that messed up because had i not been introduced to her as this like weirdly overacting like i thought she's basically pulling like you know like um i forget who i forget who the uh who plays the mom and carrie but i thought she was pulling like an overacting thing oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it's like i thought i knew they'd be red it's pink mama like you know the whole like <laughs> i thought she was just really going off the rails and just like you know like she's an out-of-work actress from the 1950s no no she played a nuanced mentally like broken and unhinged woman and it kind of made sense in that moment when that gets revealed and just like oh, you'll be my little girl you'll be my angela and it's like Why? <laughs> which is weird because then it's not even like she's claiming 
that Peter is her own daughter. She's just saying you're now your sweet sister. Like mm-hmm. your your father's dead and I got one of his kids, but not the one that I wanted. So you're the other one now. Cause I want, <laughs> we already have a little boy in the house. Why am I going with old plantation owner? You're going to be my daughter. Yo, man. She really couldn't pick an accent either. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, her asides were out of character when she looks at the, the audience. That would be if she looks at that one stain on the floor. That would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, do you have thoughts? Boy, do I. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to start off with that. I really enjoyed um, seeing just Angela connect. Like that's what really threw me off of the big twist at the end, which I will be talking about too. But like the big, huge thing for me is that I really connected with Angela through her connecting with the other kids at camp and stuff like that. Like it's very clear how she likes or dislikes someone. And it's not as simple as she looks at them and goes, I hate you or I like you. It's just her look. Mm -hmm. Like Felissa Rose, I used the word nuance before, but her performance as well is very silent and it's all in nuance and just who she's looking at and who's if like Judy's coming down on her like oh you don't want to shower with us you're probably not even telling your period yet (laughs) which I was waiting for another whole Carrie scene again Mm. like the opening Mm -hmm. I thought she was like maybe a lesbian and was like nervous about going in to shower with the other woman Uh, if anything Judy and Mel are lesbians but we won't find that out because well they got killed (laughs) (laughs) you mean Meg it's very weird that a guy oh, named yeah, Mel Sorry, was Mel. sleeping yeah. with a child named Meg. Oh, yeah. We, a, did anyone talk about... I didn't put that as one of my points, but we got to talk about that, too. I mean... Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, like, I really also enjoyed that, um, you know, she had many of really adorable, like, heart-melting moments with Paul. Oh, yeah. Who was just like, like, oh, you can be friends with me and we can hang out and stuff. Don't listen to those people, and especially Judy. She's... She's she's a real she's a real cow. She's a she real Karen, if you ask me. And then he oh. kisses her. Yeah. Just because Angela oh. didn't want to put out. What the hell? Yeah. I know. He Rude. turned into a bad character. Freaking boys, right? Yeah. yeah. Stupid boys. Ugh. Stupid boys. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I didn't expect that seeing Angela basically like have a summer crush would be so heartwarming in what was ostensibly like a dumb 80s slasher movie. And like when I look at it after I've seen the movie as well, like I honestly find it kind of validating as well. Like I really just in really like like it not only just made me like warm heart wise and emotionally wise and, you know, kind of kill some of the blues that I might have been having. (laughs) So it's kind of a feel good movie at some point. It was. It was very cute. Um, Very heartwarming. Yeah. Very like, honestly, kind of some wholesome stuff, which is like kind of corny and stuff. But when you watch it and see the performances, it's really like heart melty. Like they were robbed the Academy Awards. Robbed, I tell you. Yeah. Horror never wins. <laughs> no, never ever wins. Never. I don't even Absolutely think they were um, considered back then. <gasps> oh God, no. <laughs> Heavens. That won't do at all. No, that won't do. Uh, yeah, Kelly, stop looking at that spot on the floor. You'll get to it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> My other point is, because I have to address, is that ending. Mm. Ooh, um, baby. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to just address like what, like what led up to it that made me kind of pull me out of the film was just... It's an old trope and I understand, and I'm such an apologist. I can't believe that I'm saying this stuff, but I understand where the other characters are coming from because they're in shock and they're seeing a whole bunch of different, like if you're on the beach and this shit happened, a lot of stuff is flashing in front of you. Oh my God, there's people dying in camp. Oh my God, there's someone dead and decapitated. 
oh my God, they're naked. Oh my God, what? So I understand where they're coming from, but I think I really don't appreciate the whole like, you know, oh my God, she's a boy. Yeah. Really? Do we really need that? Like I really just really sucked me out and I didn't really truly enjoy the eeriness of that final moment of those final images of like Angela sitting in her rocking back and forth humming Meg's the song that she hears Meg coming by the way oh really which is also oh. kind of creepy oh, yeah. oh. Meg is so oh god <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of an offshoot Meg when she gets killed she goes to shower because she's going to go on a date with Mel which weird yeah Mel and Meg and Meg and Mel Megan girls Mel. love guys in power even when they're old and, Name is and just very he's creepy. like 60 yeah Ew, She's like, like 17. Ew. Girls love old, very uncomfortable men in power. They can't you know give age, consent. No. <laughs> age is absolutely a number. Yeah. Except when you're dating. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion, that's my opinion. But like, she's humming, the, and the way that Meg is humming, she can't carry a tune. It's like, and like, unfortunately, it's the last thing that uh, Angela hears. And then, well, thankfully, thankfully, so the humming stops. Meg is killed. <laughs> then you hear Angela humming it as well, and she's basically cradling the decapitated head of like Paul, yeah, the guy who basically cheated on her. Which that kill makes a lot of sense to me. Like. Absolutely. Everyone that died really like crossed Angela, which is why, like for me, I was so back and forth on like, is it Angela or is it her mm-hmm. cousin that's killing people? Yeah. And I'm, at one point, I even thought that like, like Angela was behind the kill. I thought Angela 100% was the, you know, behind the killing of the predatory camp cook. Like that made obvious sense. That was, that had to happen. But then I thought for a while, Ricky and Angela were trading off the kill, like the counselors mm. just like, okay, go kill them. Okay, go kill them. Like, didn't know it was purely just Angela. But like, <laughs> ag- again, because I was lulled in that false sense of security of just, I'm rooting for her. She's, she's the final girl. She's, she's the one that lives. I don't know why. Then the ending happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it's always, I've been trying to like figure out how I feel about it because on the one hand, it's the trope of like, oh, someone is extremely different from everybody else. Therefore, they're the scary killer. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what drove Angela to kill? Was it the traumatic event of her family dying? Was it being forced to live as a woman? Or was it going to camp with all of that baggage and then being basically bullied? And it was an awful camp, yeah. For like, weeks <laughs> in this like shitty ass camp. Kind of a horrible experience, except for that like that one nice girl in, the, in her cabin was just like, guys, leave her alone. I liked her. Yeah. Yeah. Too, I think All of, like those two camp counts, like the guy with the hot crap crop top and the really yeah. nice girl that slaps the shit out of Judy. Yeah. <laughs> like those two camp oh. counselors were dope as hell. Except the guy like <laughs> stole a knife from the or not stole, like confiscated a knife from the kids. Be like, this is bad. I'm going to put it right where you can reach yeah, it. Right under these belongings. <laughs> but I'm like trying to decide if like the. Obviously, the message we can assume the worst from 80s horror directors is Mm -hmm. that trans people are scary. But like (laughs) to me now with a 2020 view, it's like, is that the message I even take from it? Or is it that this child has been just driven to murderous intent and the reveal isn't even, oh, they're they're a boy. It's they fucking murdered Paul while naked and just seem to be now in a completely catatonic state. Man, society ruined this person. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I take from it now, but I don't think that was the intent 
when I think about it. I'm kind of having a bit of a brain fog, but I forgot what led up to Paul's death, death and stuff like that. Weren't they just running along the beach and something like that? Well, it basically Cause... came down to like Angela hit a point of no return and met up with mm-hmm. Paul on the beach and was basically like, hey, let's fuck. And so they take off their clothes and at some point Paul gets his head all cut off. Maybe he reacted like negatively. Yeah, like, probably. Like, the... Oh my God, she's a boy. Yeah, like, and then like <laughs> that rejection just. That's true. We didn't see the, over the, edge. the period mm-hmm. between that. Maybe Angela was actually at a point where it's like, well, I've done all this murders and I feel strong. I'm going to get laid. And then Paul freaked out. Damn it, Paul. Yeah. I don't know how to gender Angela because yeah. I don't think that Peter wanted to be Angela and has basically been forced into this role. So like I'm always on the edge. I'm always like, I don't know whether to say he or she. I've been saying them as a, a safeguard. Yeah. I mean, I've. I'm the fact that I really connect heavily to Angela as Angela, 100%. And she's having some positive experiences as Angela. I've been kind of like, yeah, she, she, her, her, she. Yeah. Like the bar. But, you know, like, you know. <laughs> I guess the only real way we'd know is if we asked the character. Yeah. When they get older and go to therapy because their <laughs> aunt fucked them up so hard. <laughs> but yeah, like even regardless of Angela's gender, like the, the relationship between Angela and Paul was so fucking adorable (laughs) and it's sad. Yeah, no, I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's just so sad that it ends the way it does. But also like this is one of my points that the ending itself, the like last 30 seconds before you get the credits, which, by the way, a bomb ass credit song. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that moment of like that famous image, which I had never seen before watching of Angela standing there naked and like turning to the side with this like jaw dropped, semi excited, but comatose face was so, so horrifying. And it's not the reveal of like, oh, she's a boy or like, oh, this person has a penis. It's like literally the face and how the body is shaped. Yeah. And you can see like now that it it's a mask on this like male actor, which just adds to the proportions are all a big head because it's a mask on this like slender body. Yeah, that's the weird uncanny valley of that shot and that scene that just really tripped people out and really like freaked me out. Like forget the fact that, oh, my God, she's a boy. We get the Scooby-Doo unmasking, (laughs) but also props to 1983 for like the first full frontal penis shot like well done 1983 (laughs) it's the only one that on record that's just full frontal male yeah i think it especially in the states because like in europe Mm -hmm. you're you can have a flaccid penis all you want It, it doesn't matter but yeah it's definitely like shocking that oh man full frontal nudity wow covered in blood holding a knife extremely unsettling like facial and pose. the sound. Oh yeah, the like growling, like a badger. Oh my god, like a badger. I think oh. you gotta like put that clip in. Okay. Just a bit of that sound. Yeah. I will find or I guess it. I will do it because <laughs> I edit these now. I am an editor. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, totally. Like the composition of that reveal is just so good. And it sticks with you. Like I had mm-hmm. trouble sleeping. I've ruined my life when it comes to watching horror movies, because if we're doing it for the podcast, I can't look up the IMDb scaredy facts because <laughs> I got to wait and be surprised. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
we're going to take a moment to talk about how you can help the show. We have merch now. You can go to drinkingandscreaming.threadless.com to get some buddy-approved merch featuring the adorable buddy in a cocktail glass. Uh, he has been all over this drink this episode, so whenever we have a, a creamy or frothy drink, he always tries to steal it. It's buddy-approved. <laughs> all the information you could ever need about us is on our website, drinkingandscreaming.com, so you can get merch info there as well, social media handles, sponsor info, biographies, pictures of us and Buddy, links to our other projects like Vancouver by Night featuring Rose. You name it. Go check it out. If you want to help support the show and get some awesome rewards like stickers, coasters, bonus episodes, and more, go to patreon.com slash drink and scream. That's where you can vote on our Patreon poll to tell us what we should watch next and listen to our new bonus series called Pre-Fear, where we chat about the movies we haven't seen yet right before we watch them for the podcast. Like this one. Whoa. I was so wrong. <laughs> All the references we made to Char's uh, opinion of this movie before she saw it. <laughs> this season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Evil Amy's Terror Shop, who provided us with some amazing goodies to talk about on our episodes. They have a lot of cool stuff like Funko Pop figures that are all horror themed, enamel pins, dolls, action figures, and even spooky bath bombs. But... I wanted to highlight the cutest little gremlin keychain I got from them. I have my own little gizmo to come with me everywhere I go. You can buy their products. They ship globally at evilamysterrorshop.com. Remember, don't get them wet. Rose, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, they can find me at Twitter as well as TikTok and Instagram. Uh, Instagram, I believe, is just Rose Bubblesore. And then Twitter and TikTok are Rose underscore Bubblesore specifically. So yeah. And you can also find my podcast at bit.ly slash trash talking tales. Once again, trash talking tales. That is the podcast that demystifies myths, fact checks fables, and sheds light on well-known stories. So come check us out. And you can follow us on Instagram slash Twitter at drink underscore scream. Facebook at Drink and Scream, email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com and join our Discord, bit.ly slash hopped up Discord. It's season three. It's time for a new sponsor. Do you smell that? The thick fog in the air, suffocating and muddied. Do you hear that? The creaking boards of the boathouse, the wet crackling of pine needles beneath your cold feet. Do you see that? The dim pulsating glow of the gas lamp hanging up just out of reach. What sort of lakeside terror is this? Well, it's a candle. A candle for horror fans. A candle from Liz's Horrifying Candle Co. Shop now on horrorcandles.com with the code DRINKSCREAM10 for 10% off your first purchase of three or more candles. So this is a brand new sponsor that we got, and I found them on Instagram, fell in love, reached out, and they wanted to sponsor with us. And my favorite part is that these bad boys are handmade with soy wax, which makes them safe for your little fur babies. I feel like it's not well known that you shouldn't use petroleum candles if you have animals, because it's basically like smoking packs of cigarettes in their face. So we're really keen on what candles are made of because we do love candles. So these are going to be safe for Buddy. They're going to be Buddy approved. Wink. Get 10% off, bro. Drink Scream 10. At HorrorCandles.com. Back to the episode. And then my other point that I wanted to bring up, we talked a bit about Mel, the camp owner, and how he's basically a rapist because of preying on underage women or like borderline. Sure, they're 18, maybe if they're a counselor. Doesn't mean that it's okay what you're doing. 
uh, hard stance. But I wanted to also focus on the creepy ass cook, chef, Jesus. whatever, uh, that makes the food for the kids. As they're all arriving, even he's standing with his crew and he's making these comments like about their pubic hair and like it doesn't matter how young they are. And like just awful things that I'm not even going to repeat. And nobody calls him out on it either. Not a like single yeah. cook is, the black cook is just like, oh, white people be crazy or something <laughs> like that. Just, legit, it's a throwaway line of just like, like he could have just said something like, dude, that's some creepy shit. Like, like something like that. How about know, like, you <laughs> get fired, my yeah. man? Uh, how about you get help? Or arrested. Like, yeah, <laughs> all the, and there were like five adults around him that were completely complacent. Yeah, sorry, you were f- oh, finishing man. your point though, Shire, as well. No, no, that's fine. Like, I, everything <laughs> you're saying is right. And I just like, they put it so, they laid it on so thick that it was like, are you trying to be comedic with this? Is this supposed to like make the audience laugh? I don't know because it really didn't make me laugh, but it also didn't. It was so heavy handed that it wasn't even like this guy's a villain. I was like, what is the point of this character? Like, I don't even know what's going on right now. It was basically like the tutorial murder. It's like you walk into the inn and it's like you see a creepy child pedophist just screaming obscenities and stuff. Do you a kill them? That's it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we did get to see like a really cool prosthetic of um, him mm. being burned. It was like the coolest for me death of the film was seeing him and like the boil on his face. Oh, and yeah. His arms. And it gets increasingly worse and worse yeah. and worse. Yeah, that was cool. That was good. I had a I don't think I have the fact in the scaredy facts section, but he's actually lying on like a false floor. And there's like a tube pumped into the boil on his face that they're like pumping. <gasps> I think it's like pudding or something into to make it like royal like that it's ah. it looks very good nice i uh as as an aside i watched a video with steve-o from jackass fame yeah he's still doing it guys he's still on the jackass he's got a different show now but, but specifically he had a stunt where he got like horrifically burned and there was a scene of him like holding his arm up and basically just like a, a bucket of uh, like body fluid had formed at the bottom of his arm. And it looked like just this. It looked like a Ziploc bag of body fluid attached to his arm. And I was yeah. like, wow, the prosthetic team on that movie I just watched the other night got it exactly right. Thanks for the science, Steve-O. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dude's like 50. Why is he still doing this? I don't know. That's a whole other podcast, not one that we're going to (laughs) do, which brings us to. So we have a new uh, segment to our podcast, the recommended viewing, which we've been trying to come up with names. And I think I came up with an okay one. Wait, sorry. Reconomicon? Yes. So it's like, welcome to the Reconomicon. We're about to open the Reconomicon. Yeah. Oh God, it'll be I? good. Oh God, we'll we'll jazz it up. It'll be great. Viewers <laughs> months from now will be like, man, I wonder how they came up with this amazing segment of their podcast. Whoa. So I'll go first here. I'm recommending Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960. It's a classic horror that has some very similar themes here, but also fuck Alfred Hitchcock. Fuck He's Alfred an asshole. Hitchcock. He's a rapist. Fuck. Assaulter. Fuck. But Alfred if you want to watch a classic horror that has similar themes. 
then I would recommend it. It's a good thing to watch. Separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Separate Alfred Hitchcock from his head. (laughs) Anyways, my recommendation based purely on Char's idea of the stinger just being a scary face that haunts your memories and dreams forever. Dude, it does. I recommend the Lights Out short from 2013. Hey, good idea. uh, To a lesser extent, the 2016 movie, if you want. Which wasn't that great. Uh, and uh, my recommendation, um, I've only seen this recently and I rather enjoyed it, called The Final Girl. Uh, it was made in 2019, stars Abigail Breslin of Scream Scream Queens fan. Um, she uh, takes on basically the role of the final girl from like classic slasher films, but it's turned on its butt and actually tends to be really good and cathartic. So based on the stuff we're talking about, like cathartic deaths and turning the genre, turning your expectations around and stuff like that, like that. Nice. I think it's on Netflix, right? It is. I do like that actress. Um, She's wonderful to watch. Uh, She's not as whiny as she is, uh, say, on Scream Queen, but (laughs) Scream Queen, she's supposed to be supposed to be that way. Right. I think when I think of uh, Abigail Breslin, I think of the Call with Halle Berry. Oh, yeah. Mm, I love that movie. She's technically a final girl in that one. Yeah. Anyways, it's time for... <laughs> Scaredy facts. So for those of you who don't know, this portion of our podcast is a mirror image of Shar and I's relationship, where when we get too scared after watching horror movies, we go on to IMDb and relieve ourselves of the tension by finding out that the movie is just a movie and has production trivia in the background really helps alleviate the tension (laughs) and i am the one that has done the trivia for this here episode starting with the budget of only three hundred and fifty thousand dollars back in the day it's basically an afternoon picnic (laughs) its opening weekend in the states was only ninety thousand i do have to put a little stinger here or like claws because I always do, I fill in the budget information and I IMDb didn't have any, so I had to go to other sources. So I'm less, it's less credible, but I did, what I did find was from I, uh, from Wikipedia. Well, I know for a fact, whether your opening weekend is right, the cumulative worldwide gross is $11 million. Because one of the facts that I had found is that this movie was extremely successful after the fact. Oh. Uh, this is a this is one of them cult classics, y'all. Yeah, I'd own this. I'd buy it. Also, I drank all of this drink and I'm feeling real good. Ha ha! See, Angela's the best. I'm not standing in this episode, <laughs> so I got a real like laid back uncle vibe going on. <laughs> I see that. All right, starting with my first fact. This is Mike Kellen's final film. He's the actor who played Mel. He was actually sick during filming, uh, but did his best to conceal it. He died of lung cancer in August uh, 1983, three months before this film actually released. Oh, that's yeah. so sad. Cool. I'm sorry. So Rest uh, in peace. I mean, he did a really good job yeah. hiding it. I think yeah. even though he was a villain, he was probably the most like charismatic actor in the movie. Very believable. You never, he never threw me out of the movie. Yeah. Mm-mm. Second fact, when casting for the role of Angela, writer-director Robert Hiltzik would have the actress stare wide-eyed and straight ahead while also pretending to eat a candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm going to audition for the role of Angela. Give me one second. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> that's a good role. Hey mom, can I go audition for this movie? Sure. Do you have a Hershey's? <laughs> Ah, Hershey. 
Oh, ah. ah. what a callback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of the finale of this movie, the climactic scene was accomplished by using a na- nude male wearing a mask cast from Felisa Rose's face. The thin man who stood in for Angela was a college student who said that they actually needed to get drunk before they were able to do the scene. What? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Were they like scared? It was for courage. I don't. Yeah. That Irish courage. I don't yeah. know if it was like standing naked in front of a bunch of cameras threw them off or wearing the mask was too much or what. But I mean, pay me a lot of money and I would absolutely like do that scene. But like, if you're also, also going to pay me an alcohol. Yeah, yeah, pay me a bunch of money and get me drunk and I'll stand naked in front yeah. of a bunch of people. No complaints. Here. Cameras yeah. or no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh felisa rose's mother did not actually want the uh her to be the killer because she was so young jonathan tierstein who played ricky was the stand-in and hand double for all of angela's action scenes during the murders yeah uh, his more muscular hands with veins uh could better throw off the audience as well so it was a real like pamela Voorhees thing going on it really did and that explains that um before judy gets killed there's that shot of angela yes at the door and she's clearly lit and it cuts away. I'm just like, was that Ricky or was that yeah. Angela? Yeah, but so, it was Ricky, wasn't it? No. So specifically when we watched no. it, I was telling you, I was like, oh, that was Angela dressed up to look like really Ricky to confuse Judy, I think. But in reality, it was actually just supposed to be Angela. But it was uh, Jonathan Tiersten. Because Angela's mom didn't want her to do it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Come on, stage mom. I think and uh, stage mom. Felissa was like 13, I think, during the filming of this. Um, and Jonathan was 17. They actually had an on uh, set romance as well going on. Hell yeah. Showmance. Aww. Yeah. I think they <laughs> broke it off like after production, but still kind of cute. A small fact, but the body count was 13. Sweet. Didn't really feel like it, but I guess all the dead kids. At, that were like camping alone. And that was like the only part of the killings that didn't really make sense to me because it didn't seem like they they were like the young kids that didn't do anything unless they were the boys that were like throwing water balloons at her. Oh, like when she was getting dunked. Maybe they were the ones on the beach. Yeah. But uh, I also think that that was just the point of the movie where Angela kind of went off the rails. Yeah. It was like yeah. the point of no return. Just hacking up a bunch of kids in sleeping bags. Ooh. That like the counselor who left those kids is fucked for life. That's a thing you can't come back from. <laughs> Oof. I mean, doesn't he doesn't he die anyway? So he had it coming. Does he die? <laughs> I think he makes it. I think he might be one of the ones that screams. Oh, my God. She's a boy. Anyways, oh, yeah. my final fact and my favorite one, because I pointed it out when it was happening. Uh, the officer that enters the rec hall at the end of the film is wearing a fake mustache. <laughs> the reason is because he had actually shaved off his real mustache during filming and didn't have enough time to grow it back before they filmed that scene. Why did you do that? You're never allowed to do that. Going on I'm a never, date? I don't know. I'm never allowed to cut my hair because of this industry. That's on you. But guys can shave their mu- I mean, look at Henry Cavill. He's allowed to have a mustache and they spend millions of dollars photoshopping it off. <laughs> My problem with that is it doesn't explain the like weird toy flashlight that he's lugging around. Yeah. What was up with that? It was like a pink and white, like Fisher price flashlight. <laughs> 
And I don't know, I don't know if that's police police issue. I mean, they're all fucking babies, so it makes sense giving them a toy. You heard me. I mean, considering they had a budget of 350 bucks, I mean, they're probably really scraping by just like fuck me. Need a flashlight, <laughs> guys. Does, do any of the kids on set have a flashlight? I do. Oh, it's it's Ew, fine. perfect. No one knows what cops use. <laughs> Anyways, that's all my facts. There actually weren't too many like fun production facts other than like people getting injured in certain scenes and stuff like that. But that's bound to happen when you film out in an actual camp. Huh. Interesting, because it is such a well-known horror film. I would have expected. I mean, it's stuff mm-hmm. like background was family members and like yeah. the camp. The director went to the camp that they filmed at stuff like that. But I went for the nitty gritty like yeah. fake mustache, <laughs> which means it's it's final thoughts time. Yay. Rose, do you have a final thought? Yes. So the 80s was certainly not ready for anything with positive gay or trans imagery, at least as far as we know. But it's 2020. Our bodies are ready for something positive, gay, and trans right now. So this deserves, I think, because it was so well done writing-wise to lead up to the suspense and the build of that final reveal. This is one of those films that definitely needs a loving remake with some rewrites, maybe some additional scenes in there. Like I would have absolutely loved to see a confrontation between Paul and Angela, and maybe she takes a garment of clothes off or something like that. She's, we don't know it's Angela or something like that. And they start getting all naked and stuff. And then he just goes, wait, your and then his head gets oh, sliced no. off. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, I that's how I, I wrote this <laughs> right after I saw the movie. I'm just like, guys. This is the scene leading up to the final moment. All right. <laughs> expect 2021 Sorry. sleep away camp returns written by Rose. Written by Rose. <laughs> there was actually supposed to be a reboot in either 2018 or 2019 that I don't think actually ever happened. Aww. Oh, that's too bad. Hey, hey, Hollywood, it needs to happen. <laughs> they have sequels. They but- do have too many sequels. You're correct. <laughs> Uh, All right, Kelly. My final thought is I'm going to go back to my favorite Aaron quote from The Office, but I like the part of this movie where everyone's happy and they're just getting along and stuff. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Like, I almost wonder if there's a good coming of age camp movie that I should watch because like the... The like banter between all the boys when they're playing baseball and like the girls like be hanging out and being catty and stuff like that. And the love romance between Paul and Andrew building was just really nice to watch. And I want all that. Have you seen The Parent mm-hmm. Trap? The, the original? Or did you mean the one with um, Lindsay Lohan in her first like acting I've career never ever? seen the original. I've only seen the Lindsay Lohan version. Uh, the original, well, considering it's original Disney material, it's pretty wholesome stuff. I rather I rather enjoy the original. Um, obviously, it takes some burrows and some stuff. And there's some modernisms that have changed, but it's cute. I definitely recommend that. So there you go. There's your, <laughs> there's your wholesome everyone's happy camp story. <laughs> with nice. With twins. Twins. My final thought is just that I'm glad I've finally crossed this off of my must watch horror list. It's something that I definitely could see myself watching again, especially like knowing the twist now and seeing it through that lens. Yeah. Something to pop on for casual viewing. I think it's it's good. I like it. We need to get one of those posters with like all the like top horror movies that you should watch where you can like scratch <gasps> it off like a bingo card. Yes. Or, um, like a scratch ticket? Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been Sleepaway Camp, a movie about a bunch of campers getting what's coming to them, but not on Friday the 13th. Next week, we'll be watching <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China from 1986 with Lee Shorten. Yay! Woo! And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye!
อีก